never worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show then you're probably a nerd I'm sure for not just my co-host, but uh, many people out there. But that's all of the negativity that we're going to talk about. Uh, well, at least until Tyler speaks. But anyways, <laughs> welcome to another episode of the It's Canon Podcast, where we talk all things geek. Uh, I am one of your hosts. I am Boris. And as always, I am joined by Tyler. The Witch's Curse has returned! I know, I know. It's it's been uh, it's interesting to say the least. Uh, just so that our listeners know, um, yeah, it took us a lot of anger and frustration to get connected so that we can record tonight's episode. But alas, we are here. We are recording, and we just wanted to get an episode out there because it has been over a week. Um, you know, we 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 will do better. Um, just uh, my. Uh, whatever my, my my sickness is just just wouldn't go away um but i am feeling a lot better now and uh, i'm ready to get back to it and i think that in the grand scheme of things it uh, worked out that we waited because today is a very significant day for anyone who's followed movies the past what uh 11 years or so um probably longer uh especially for those of for those people clamoring for for titles such as X-Men and Fantastic Four to possibly maybe one day be into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. <laughs> that's a thing. That's a thing, and it's probably the biggest news that's come out over the past well, couple days. I mean, let's slow down a smidge. Slow down just a smidge. All right. Just an eensy smidge. Just an eensy. Well, I concur that it has happened. It's worth us mentioning and being aware of the fact that a lot of people have suggested that this may actually fall afoul of antitrust law. So it is possible this could be undone under a future administration. Oh, more than likely. Um... And a lot of people have said it would be undone under a future administration because... The purpose of antitrust law is basically to make sure that, you know, that competition still exists, that capitalism functions and you don't get oligarchies. Yep, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, to say the least. 
Um, it, it's been a uh, very interesting day and years, I guess, uh, since this was announced uh, way back when, um, a couple years ago, I guess, or last year. Uh, you know, this is by far the biggest media merger ever. Um, you know, it's only a, a measly $71.3 billion purchase um, of Fox, 21st Century Fox's film and TV assets. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway there is the fact that, you know, Fox Media Core is still exists. It uh, will exist as its uh, TV station, news station, sports stations, etc. Uh, so Rupert Murdoch still holds the majority there. But their film, TV assets all now belong to the mouse. Yeah. Um, by far, this is the biggest media merger, as I mentioned earlier, since MGM was taken over in the 1980s. Uh, you know, now we only have five actual movie studios in Hollywood. Uh, they consist yeah. of Disney, Warner Brothers, Sony, Universal, and Paramount. Um, it's it's crazy when you think about it. And, and, and Sony, going... Disney, Universal. Yeah, that's right. My brain merged to those together, and I was like, I think you only said four. Nope, you said five. Yep. We're good. Yep, exactly. Um, but yeah, so the, here we are at, you know, you know uh, layoffs aside, because we know what happens when companies merge. We know how long it'll take for them to uh, hammer out the internal processes and internal politics. Um, I guess the next few years are going to be very interesting um, to see sort of where all of this goes and, you know, what we're going to get out of it. Um, it's, it's, it's more than just movies, obviously. It's, it's owning assets. Um, TV shows for Hulu, uh, Disney Plus, movies for their streaming services, uh, just, just rights retentions and, and all of that is, is really the goal. You know, it's just, you know, trying to control everything that you possibly can it's literally they're pulling a thanos on us um and it's just really interesting to sort of see all of this happen um you know it's 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 scary um that this is happening because we're seeing you know before we lived in a world where it was the big fish eating the smaller fish but now it's the bigger fish eating the big fish uh and and we're you know where is this going to lead like are we going to get to a point where we're going to get to three all right so um Starting recording again. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> Biggest merger in media history. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, I don't even know where the fuck we were. Oh my god, this I is... I heard you were saying this. that's where we were. Biggest media merger in history. Maybe you've heard of it. Disney has bought out Fox's media movie arm. Yep. There's only five left. Yep. Skype then says, no, now it's time for an update. Yep. Um, and we can... Yeah, anyways, I'll, I'll, fig- I'll, I'll make this work. I'll make this work. I'll edit it properly. Um, so, you know, three, two, one. So I'm not sure exactly where this is going to take us. Um, and, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see where we go from here. It's, it's There's just so much going on, um, as I mentioned, from the actual TV shows to the movies to, you know, just everything. It's, it's, it's going to be scary if we get to a point like where, you know, these, these bigger fish are, are, are now just eating up, you know, 
they're, 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 they're the competition. It's just, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, there's literally all major media now is basically owned by three or four parent companies when you take a look at this. Um, You know, everything that we consume is being controlled by a smaller and smaller group. Uh, And, you know, I want to get into this a little more, but I think I'm going to sort of let things happen in terms of articles. I want to read a little more. And, you know, I think that this will make for a hell of an episode. Having said that, we're kind of touching on some aspects of that in today's episode, uh, because today's topic du jour is streaming services and sort of, you know, where the world is going um, and and what are the disruptors up to and how the uh, movie industry has been completely disrupted and usurped. Well, unless, um... oh, shoot. Unless Spielberg has his way. Well, exactly. We'll get. We'll talk about that, which is kind of hilarious when you when 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 you read his arguments, considering it's, how he started. It's stupid. Oh, for sure. But like, as much as I'm an old man yelling at kids to get off my lawn, it's an old man yelling at kids to get off his lawn. No, it literally is. It's it's it's. You know, here's someone who started off as a completely unknown, complete independent filmmaker, literally started from the bottom and worked his way up. And now he's, you know, he, he, he advocated for so long to listen to the little guys, listen to the little guys. You know, these are the true artists, et cetera, et cetera. And now that he's probably one of the most influential people, it's like, well, screw everyone else. Let's, uh, you know, you, you, you have to play by the rules, or you can't be allowed. Um, so I be... don't understand these computers. It's a series of tubes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So we're gonna be talking about streaming services later. Uh, we're gonna talk about the Disney uh, Fox merger and in, in bigger scheme down the road. But you know, what are your initial thoughts? They one thoughts i mean the policy wonk side of me thinks this this is almost like a textbook violation of the antitrust rules and i'm surprised that is when this merger went through and was allowed um you know whether or not you think there's a moral problem to a small handful of companies controlling all of our creative output, legally we agreed to a set of rules that, you know, if you read them, it sure looks like this might be violating it. Yeah. But apparently not. So anyways, I think that's going to get, I think that this is going to be appealed or sued over or something in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, from the creative side, I genuinely, with where the MCU is at right now, I don't think they gain anything from mutants. No, they probably don't. They had the Inhumans. They tried something with the Inhumans from, uh, from a movie standpoint, who knows what happened there? They tried the TV show, and that was a, a flop. So, you know, I think that they just don't know how, what to do with these groups, um, as opposed to, you know, these these singular 
uh, characters. Well, heck, let's nerd out about story for a moment. I think part of the problem is, is that if you look at the current MCU, these are functionally mythic figures. Like, Tony Stark, Steve Rogers, all of them, they are functionally heroes with a capital H from ancient Greek myth. Like, the stuff they do, the shape of the stories, they are classical heroes. And they are mythic heroes in that way. Yep. And that's a type of story. And let's let's call a spade a spade. Most of the Marvel movies in the MCU follow the logic and the math of a mythic story. And ipso facto, because of the... Just because of what it handles in this subject matter. X-Men aren't about a mythic group. It's about oppression, and it's about social inequalities and stuff, and I don't think you can unplug those and keep what it's about. It just... I think it's even worked. You look at the comics right now, where they have the comics, and they are like, nah, the X-Men are doing their own thing. If you want to look at the events on right now, we have... Two or three, you have three events in the Marvel comic universe, and one of them is just the X Men off doing their own thing. No one else is involved. It's just the X Men doing their thing. Yeah, but typically speaking, the X Men have they have always operated that way. It's very rare that the X Men are in the middle of a major crossover event. At least in the past few years, um, you know they've been. In, I'm not not to say that they haven't been involved, but they haven't really been major players. Now there are your conspiracy theorists who believe that it's because of the movie rights, and they since they didn't have the movie rights, they didn't want to push their comics. But that's the most absurd thing I've ever heard, because then why produce the comics um why are the comics better why are the comics selling better exactly exactly uh you know they well well it's goes to uh, my theory there is because people are sick and tired of everything intertwining people are sick and tired of every six months there being a major event uh and from a consumer standpoint you're buying you know double, triple the amount of comic books just to follow one major event. Um, oh, yeah. And and it just it gets too much. It's too much. Oh, it's yeah, hard no. to follow. The, the model of trying to extract more and more dollars from a small group, is it's, it's, in, it's a patently faulty model on its face. Yep. I actually think the companies to look at right now are look at what Boom is doing, look what IEW is doing. And, I mean, Image is always a tricky one because it's so creator-driven. Like, the creators can do whatever they want. Yeah. Look at Boom and IDW right now, and, like, they move product. And IDW's Marvel license for kids' comics, like, those move. Yeah. yeah kids I've... come in, they don't grab them. Exactly. And that's why, you know, a lot of people are really beginning to latch on to, you know, where comics should be in a few years is that, you know, they have their kind of standalone-ish to the greater extent that they have been in recent memory. Um, a lot of people are just kind of tired. And it's hard for creators because how much control do you have as a creator within your book? Let's say, for example, you are writing Spider-Man. but you have to know. Now, but okay. Yes, okay, yeah, that is a bad example <laughs> right now. But let's just say, Spider-Man. And there's, you know, a major event, 
and you know your job is to set up the event your job is to close out the event so you kind of have you're kind of being told what to write for from so many different directions while still trying to maintain your own creative integrity um so just from a creator standpoint you're not getting the best stories uh you know you're getting this intertwined spaghetti story with gosh knows how many twists and turns and swerves for the sake of having a swerve. Uh, and then, again, you know, being forced to carry out someone else's story, is just, it's, it can get troublesome for, as a creator. And then as a consumer, I only want to buy Spider-Man books. I don't care about buying, you know, Captain America books or Iron Man books or X-Men books mm-hmm. all at the same time, just so that I can read what's going on with Spider-Man, you know? Um Plus, no. on top of that, on top of that, each issue of this event is going to have 20 covers. Oh, Jesus. This is, that's a whole other, no, we're dealing with that another time. No, exactly, that, that, that's why I stopped there, time. dot, dot, dot. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, I, you know, so going back to our original point, <laughs> um, I, 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 Pretty, I for the most part agree with your assessment um, in terms of them shoe literally shoehorning in, not literally, figuratively, shoehorning in, um, you know, these new characters into the MCU. The MCU has been built within a certain scope. Um, that scope has now expanded, as we spoke last week, to have more mythical and godlike characters, stronger characters, but they still work within the same mythos of the MCU and the rules that they created 11 years ago. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they shoehorn you know, these new characters, because these new characters, they don't as you mentioned, they don't really stand for the same things that the MCU stands for. Um, it'll be interesting interesting to see just how far away from the source material they're willing to go to have those characters for the sake of just using those characters. You know, are they going to move away from the X-Men being, you know, your representation of the, of the civil rights movement of the 60s, you know? I don't know how you could. I, you can't. Like... Like that's what like they, the that's current what comic run. The current comic run is '60s AF. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So I, you know, it'll just be, um, it'll be interesting. So yeah. we can, uh, we'll see, we'll see what goes on uh, with 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 all of that. But uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where they go, just from a pure. Marvel Cinematic Universe point of view. Now, you know, we'll talk. We'll talk a little about the streaming and Hulu and what all and Disney Plus a little later. So, you know, we'll 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 we'll, we'll pin. We'll, we'll put a pin in that discussion. Other big news that happened over the past few days, and which is funny because this is probably what we would have been talking about if we had recorded over the weekend. Um, and it's essentially the uh, you know the not so shocking news that Marvel Studio reinstated James Gunn as a director of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Yeah. Okay. Um, I does does this shock you? Um, it's funny because uh, you know for going back to what we had discussed last week about you know the the social justice warriors. Um, you know it's. James Gunn did something 
said stuff in the past. He apologized for it. So should we, um, you know, kind of uh, blame him and, you know, and, and, and not allow him to move forward with his career because he did something in the past and he was clearly sorry for it or apologized for it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's Disney's prerogative to fire him. Yep. It's Disney's prerogative to hire him back. Yep. They were all okay with it. There yep. we go. Like, that, problem solved. <laughs> that's exactly it. Like, that's exactly it. Like, that's exactly where I was going with that, was, you know, Disney was forced because, especially at the time that all of this was coming out, you know, they were kind of, they, 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 they if they didn't fire him at the time, they would have gotten a lot of backlash. Um, what that well, like, backlash like, means... Like, so, so spade a spade. Those were bad jokes. Like, the jokes in question were not, like, they're both offensive jokes and not very good. And, yeah. like, I'm the first one who says, like, if you're a comedian or you're in comedy, like, they're not all, like, you're gonna have those jokes coming out, and, you know, Twitter is not the best spot for them. It's yep. better to go over in a writer's room, which is a safe space for everyone involved, or if you're a stand-up, to do them... On a set, people understand these are unfinished jokes, right? Like, would you have this situation where you can go through them and people understand this is not, this is an in-progress thing. And I think Twitter, part of the problem is it creates artifacts that are functionally, like, you know, you tweet and it's out there forever. And that's just it. Yep. Yep, so let that be a reminder to everyone who, uh, who is a creator or just a person who uh, likes their job. You know, think before you tweet, because you never know who's going to find earlier tweets. Um, oh, definitely. Like, it's... it's Treat it like, treat it like you're marketing. Like, treat it like it's all in front of the media, because it is. Well, that's exactly it. If you're not willing to say... If you're not willing to say some of these things that people tweet and whatever to public or in a job, then chances are, chances are, that's not something that you want to tweet out or post on social media or talk about it on a podcast. Because someone's going to find it eventually. Cough, cough. <laughs> cough <awesome>. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so this weekend... Uh, is C2E2. We are in the middle of con season, and this weekend, the con stop in Chicago for C2E2. Uh, pretty huge weekend. Tons of guests are going down. I know some people going down that are going to have an awesome time. Uh, and, yeah, these uh, conventions keep getting bigger and bigger, and it seems like the con season starts earlier and earlier every year. Um, well, it's... What is it? It's functionally second weekend of March to end of November now. Yeah. Yep, before it used to be May to end of, you know, mid-October. Uh, New York usually ended the signal, the end of Comic-Con, or the, the con season, and C2E to or uh, Emerald City would start it off, like, you know, later on. Um, yep. Earlier in the year, I should say. But uh, they're just starting earlier, ending later, and there just seem to be more and more and more of them around and all around the world. I, I see so many cons now, or creators uh, that I have, whether it be on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, uh, posting how they're getting ready to go to Asia or Europe or 
uh, or yep. you know these places that typically didn't have con- these comic cons. Uh, well, now they are having them. Had them, just we weren't part of them. Well, exactly. They kind of had their own thing, but now they've they're kind of expanding to include, you know, everyone. I, yeah, I mean, look at it from the board game side or the Italian comic side of like the biggest two of the biggest cons in the world are in Europe. And, like, the, I can't remember the name of it is, but there's a con in Italy that is, like, top five in the world. It's, like, one million attendees or something. It's something insane. Yep, exactly. It's, um, it's crazy. Uh, have you ever looked into attending a European con? Is that something in the books for you? Is that something that, uh, makes sense for you? I am looking, I, there's a client that I'm working with that is talking about flying me out to Essen this year mm-hmm. for Essen Spiel. Yep. And if I did that, I would make a two-week trip of it probably, and I'd hit Dragon Meat the week before. And that one is a con primarily for, is it RPGs and gaming, or is it... Uh, Dragon Meat is more of a... It's a little bit gaming-focused, but getting a lot more of the comics and stuff. Whereas Essenspiel is just games. Okay, all right. Essenspiel is like the gaming convention. Right. Yeah. That's very cool. That's very cool. And and when 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 is the potential for this happening? When do those cons take place? Oh geez, they're both end of the year. Um, it's like Dragon Meat is the first weekend of December, mm-hmm. and Essenspiel is. Late November, early December. Right. Very cool. Very cool. Which, again, like, that's how long the season goes, right? Yeah, right? It's crazy. Oh, they're way far apart this year. Oh, no. Well, my plan screwed up. <laughs> well, they're, they're, well, there's that. Um, but, yeah, no, so, yeah, so everyone, any one of our listeners who are going to Chicago, have fun, have a blast, let us know how it went. And, uh, yeah, uh, don't um, don't get too lost. <laughs> Good luck. Exactly, good luck. Um, let's see, in terms of video games, <laughs> some news that came up on my uh, my one of my RS feeds that I constantly follow um, to keep in the loop of things uh, was the uh, previously Xbox exclusive Cuphead is being released for the Nintendo Switch. When is that Xbox exclusive? Sorry? When, is that like Xbox exclusive at the beginning? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's, uh, yeah, so they, they are going to be coming out for the Nintendo Switch. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it'll be really cool because, um, I haven't played this game, but I've heard some fantastic things about that. Um, and it's coming out actually very soon. It's April 18th. So in about a month, just, just under a month. That's very cool there. Do you have anything uh, you want to talk about? Yeah, I got a couple things. Um, I wanted to start out with... Oh, bugger. Bugger, bugger, bugger. I had it, and they are gone. Um, I wanted to start out with the um, Epic. The Epic... Epic Store and their attempt to get on Steam and how we're getting more and more games going exclusively to Epic um, combined with their claim today 
that was the, the claim was that the new Metro game sold 2.5 times as much as it would on Steam. And how most reporters are immediately going, I mean, maybe? You're kind of comparing apples to grapes here. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, Epic is the new store that is competing against Steam. It's not great yet. <laughs> but it's been giving away free games, like, one every two weeks or something like that, which, you know, helps get people on board. Yeah. Um, and they've recently started... Uh, tying up a variety of exclusives, including XCOM spiritual sequel Phoenix Point, and now Outer Rim, the spiritual sequel to Bethesda's slash Black Obsidian's Fallout New Vegas, set in place in a science fiction world instead, is going to be a Microsoft Store slash Epic Store exclusive. Very interesting. So I want to get your thought, and, and then there's a bunch of rumors that how much they've been paid to do so. The current gossip on the internet is that um, the company behind Phoenix Point, for example, was paid $2 million to go Epic exclusive. Wow. Wow. Very interesting. Um, We're clearly seeing the same sorts of tactics that we are seeing in regards to streaming and the, all the streaming services is, you know, let's get all the rights for everyone mm-hmm. and exclusive rights. That's the key. Yeah. It's having the exclusive rights. Uh, so you're going to be seeing a lot of money being thrown to creators and studios so that they can exclu- exclusively show up on on a store. Now, where this will be interesting to see is what these exclusivity rights mean. Um, you know, are they going? Are... So for for Phoenix Point, yep, because we have this data, it's it's indefinite exclusivity. Okay. For Outer Rim, it is a one year exclusivity. Interesting, very interesting. See, a one knowing that it's one year. You see, it depends because if with. The way that those games are, it's not as bad. It's not. It's not. It's it's trivial in the sense that okay, if I want to play something, I just need to install this store and get the store running in my computer. Agreed. There's no monthly. Yeah, there's not a monthly fee per se. Um, But let's say these games. There was a game that would appear on one of these stores, whether it be Steam or Epic, um, and they have exclusive rights to one of these stores, but that will mean that you know they can't release on a console, for example. Um, it'll be interesting because you know, as a publisher of these games, are you blocking? Are you blocking profit just for exclusivity, uh, for that extra extra little money upfront from someone? You're kind of guaranteeing that you you know the possibility of success, but are you? sort of sacrificing larger profits for being exclusive to one platform. Um, and, you know, we don't know what, we, you know, we don't, the future hasn't, or, you know, the future has yet to tell us, you know, what Steam and Epic have in store, you know, what, um, 
what makes them very different. We, you know, there's not enough data there that will say one, you know, has more tracking tools than the other or something that might make some people feel uncomfortable. We don't know. We don't know any of this yet, you know. So, um, yeah, no, it'll be interesting to sort of see once more data comes out. But, you know, on the on the basis of things, we're just seeing the same dogfight that we are seeing when it comes to streaming services and trying to capture all of the rights. Um, you know, as <laughs> you know, just I will to, throw it out there. Yeah, that Epic Games appears to be playing very nice with Microsoft. Right. Also, I'm just on the Epic Store right now, and they have updated a lot since last time I was on. Um, the entire Quantic Dream trilogy is now coming soon to computer on Epic Games. Wow. So that's Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, Detroit Become Human. Wow. Um, Outer Worlds is up here. Uh, Ancestors, which I'm not going to by Private Division, is up here. Uh, yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, so I think it's too early to really Journey, tell. which was an Xbox exclusive. Sorry, wow. yep. Yeah, so, you know, great. I think overall it'll be, it's too early to tell, but it's just interesting to see the, the um, you know, the, the, the rights wars happening everywhere as content seems to be, you know, the biggest thing right now, just getting and owning as much content as you possibly can. I mean, that seems to be what they think. Do you think it's a good gamble? Like, do you think that this is that this is in fact the way that these companies should be going? Well, I mean, if we look at Epic, I think that you hit nail on the nail on the head when you pointed out the difference between it's a one-off payment versus a monthly. Yeah. And I think that I think that nailing down exclusivity is more important for a game like this for a company like Epic. Just because their only need is to get people into the goddamn store. Yep, exactly. And then and then they can compete. And then it's going to be genuinely, you know... Because at some point, they don't, don't have enough money to get the exclusivity. Because there's got to be some sort of incentive. Exactly. Whether it's a whether it's a guaranteed minimum sales or how it's done, there's an incentive that these these publishers are getting to go exclusive on Epic. And at some point, they won't have the money for that if they can't compete otherwise. And you know, let's say they're they're licensing this up, and I mean, the store's still garbage. Like, yeah. I'm I literally have to scroll up and down, and I have no, I can't. I can't choose. I'm not looking for a strategy game. I can't choose what I'm looking for forever. I just scroll up and down until I find the game I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna fix that, but that is garbage. Right. And like that doesn't incentivize me. Now, to sort of combine two news items, do yeah. you think that uh, Google Stadia is going to play a factor in this exclusive rights world? I mean, I think Google thinks it's going to. Clearly. <laughs> Obviously, they wouldn't. A company like Google or Alphabet, whatever you want to call them, they don't put investments into something that they don't think is going to succeed and and be a disruptor in an industry, um, especially. Well, I disagree. I disagree with that statement. It's a fact. Do you think they just release things for the sake of releasing things? No, I think they make a calculated risk. Okay. They look at the over/under. Yeah. 
I, I think that you look at Google Glass is a great example of it was either going to change everything or it was going to flop. Mm-hmm. And they looked, at, they looked at the odds. And fine, sure. Like, they made the call. Right. I don't think they're stupid, but I don't think that... I don't think that Google is internally convinced the Stadia is going to automatically win. No. I don't think so either, but there's obviously enough um, research that's been done on their side to say that, hey, there's a need for this streaming-like platform, and no one else has touched this market yet, for the most part. And yeah, well, no one- Exactly. You know, as 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 Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo are focusing on you know their their this current generation of platforms and only in development for their next generation platforms, I think they're coming in at the right time to and try to disrupt the game and see the no pardon the pun disrupt the game and sort of see what they can do. Uh, it will be interesting to sort of see you know the the overall repercussions here in terms of what we were talking about with exclusivity because when it comes to Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo and Google, which company has most the most resources to literally throw um, you know money trucks at a publisher. Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth pointing out that to use the Stadia, you need a 25 megabit per second connection. Yes. Which is less than 50 million people in the United States. Yes. Actually, which admittedly is a large number, but like you're living at 250 million potential customers. Yep. yep. And the people you're getting live in the city where your competition for attention is higher. Yep. Exactly. And it's, it's great that you jumped into that because I was going to get into some of the technical details talking about the high connection rate that you – constant yeah, connection extreme. rate that you need. Uh, the fact that it um, – you know, it's it, it, it's an on-demand over the OTT service. Um, it, it's completely wireless. Uh, it's going to be all electronic, no physical gaming platform. Uh, essentially any TV with Chromecast computers running Chrome or Google Pixel, you know, that'll, that's, that's your system. And now it's just, you know, what you versus the internet at that, at that point. Well, and, and like without net neutrality, oof. Yeah, exactly. And we all know where, like, we don't know where that, the whole net neutrality is going. Uh, we, you know, we, there's been... <laughs> It's being debated constantly in the states, and you know you're kind of seeing that this chatter is starting to come up here in Canada in regards to net neutrality. And you never know what the CRTC has up their sleeves. Who knows? So, yeah. So Google, like I said, so Google is 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 is. I think that they they're seeing an opportunity, but they're being very Google about it here. Uh, this is obviously, you know, the way that I, when I was reading their, you know, all the, the material that they sent out, uh, and press releases and things like that, all I could, all that I kept screaming in the back of my mind was, well, Google, this will sort of now force cities and, and potential customers to get your internet service. I mean, that might be what it is, right? It might be, eh. 
let's use this to increase this other thing. And if it succeeds, awesome. And if not, yeah. we write it off as capital. Like that, that, that's exactly it. Like that's what I mean. So I, that's why I say that they see that there's a gap somewhere in in the industry. They're going to throw shit at a wall and see what sticks. Google does that. Look at what they did with Google+. Plus. Look at what they've done with uh, a bunch yeah. of Google products and, and, and applications. Well, they're just, you know, they'll, they'll give it an investment. They'll see if it lasts. And if it does, cool. If it doesn't, then, you know, let's just shrug it under the rug. Um, but, no, it'll be interesting to sort of see because now you know, regardless of whether this sticks or not, this is changing this is going to eventually change the game again pardon the pun because obviously now nintendo sony and microsoft are probably going to push more towards this this model of over the air um gaming or over a cord ott gaming yeah you know xbox was rumored to go in this direction um, for a while. And well, but then they, then they re- like, they even said the problem is that internet. Exactly. You know, as long as internet is charged the way that it's charged, let's not even begin to talk about here, here in Canada, but even in the States, if internet is being charged as a, you know, as a limited package, um, yeah. and not a, you know, the way that we charge electricity or any actual, um, uh, utility, then this is always going to be an issue, uh, you know. It's it's, but I don't I don't see that ever changing because this is just the way that we've done things for so long. And as much as humanity loves to change, and like you know, our buying trends change and consumption trends change, it's it's we take a lot, very long time to adapt to certain things. Yeah, uh, sometimes you know, there's a lot of red tape around this as well. And obviously, the the cable companies and the um, telecom companies love the fact that they can charge us up the ass and, you know, we just say, can we have some more? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything else? No. <laughs> um, just looking at this, so tonight is... Uh, Wednesday, by the time that folks are listening to this, I'm pretty sure that the John Wick 3 um, trailer will be out. Tell us how it is. Travel back in time. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Tell let us... us how many dogs are in it. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, and I'm actually really looking forward to that. Uh, but I don't know which Keanu Reeves project I'm looking forward to more, whether it be John Wick or the new Bill and Ted. I'm not looking forward to the new Bill and Ted. I don't actually think it'll be good. No, I think they wouldn't be making it if they didn't think if they didn't have the right story. I mean, that would be wonderful. I would love to be wrong on this. However, yeah, history, yeah, proves you right nine out of ten times. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love how. Uh, CBS had to send out a uh, press release just to tell us that the new Captain Picard-based Star Trek show will not be called Picard. Okay. Exactly. This is where we are in the world, Tyler. This is where we are. Who thought? Who thought this? I don't know. Of course it's not. 
Yeah, well, I don't know. They, they must have picked up steam enough, enough steam for them to warrant a press release to control the message. <laughs> yep. That's where we're at. So I think this is a good time to uh, to move on. I think I think we've kind of exhausted a few major topics for the week, and we'll uh, talk uh, about our hits of the week, and then we can talk about the topic du jour. Uh, but before we do that, I think we're going to take a, a bit of a break. But before we do that, Tyler, can you let our fine f- listeners know how they can get a hold of us? Yeah, they can find us at It's Canon on the internet, on Facebook, just look up It's Canon Podcast, on Twitter, same thing. I don't know if we have an Instagram or not, don't really care. We do. You can find Boris at BR underscore A-G-U-I-L-A-R, and Tyler... At T-Y-L-E-R underscore R-O-Y. And you can actually find all of this information on our newly launched website. Uh, what? Can, exactly. Uh, so I, I, I put some thought into things, and I was thinking, you know what? Uh, to properly get metrics um, and, and controlling where our episodes end up and just making things easier for, for me to track things, you know, I, I just put up a, a small investment so that we can relaunch our website. Uh, the website can be found at www.itscanonpodcast.com. And essentially, it'll just be a collection of all of our podcasts. Um, and you'll be able to find our Patreon there. Uh, we'll talk more about the Patreon later. Um, or not at all this episode. We'll see. But... Yeah, so I just wanted one place where you can find all of the information, uh, ways to get a hold of us, uh, and and ways that you can listen to past episodes of the show. Having said that, the only episodes that we will be posting on the free feed are this season's and moving forward. If you want to listen to archive episodes, you'll have to join the Patreon. Yeah. So with that said, I think it's a great time to take a break. Uh, When we do get back, we will be talking about our hits of the week. And then we're going to be talking about all things streaming services. Yeah. We'll be back. So, um, you know, I, I've, uh, 
this is going to be a good good little conversation. Um, you know, with so much happening in the past few years in regards to rights and TV shows and streaming and streaming companies, and it seems like everyone under the sun now will or is planning to have a streaming company uh, or a streaming service, I think we should take a look at streaming services and sort of get a, an, an in-depth talk about sort of, you know, where they started, where they're going, and where we think they're going to end up. Um, so, you know, we've done some research. Uh, so I think, you know, the, 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 the simplest place to start, really, um, is, 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 you know, with Netflix, and then we'll move on from there. All right. Having said that, before we go there, we should probably give our listeners the our, our, our hits of the week, our picks of the week, our choices of the week, our, I don't know what, however else we can possibly say this. Um, so I will go first, and again, because I am, have been trying to catch up on a lot of uh, TV, um, you know, my hit of the week is Doom Patrol on DC streaming service. Uh, in the U.S. of A. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's similar tone-wise to a certain extent to Titans. But it has, it's just, it's so different in other, in other, in other senses. It's just, it's, it's a really well-done show. It's funny at times, like, it's just laugh out loud funny sometimes. Uh, the character growth and, you know, their development has been fantastic over the first, um, you know, four or five episodes that it's been on. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's characters that, overall, I haven't followed too much. Uh, Doom Patrol and Disincarnation of Doom Patrol, I haven't really followed uh, too much. I don't know too much about them, so really, I'm learning about the characters through the TV show, which is a rarity for me. Uh, I mean, I'm really liking it. And, honestly, Timothy Dalton, as, you know, one of the main characters, you can horribly go wrong, but with Doom Patrol, you are not going wrong. So, for those, of you, for those of you in the US of A, you know, sign up for the DC streaming service. You'll get Titans. You'll get Doom Patrol. You'll get uh, Young Justice Season 3. You'll get some other cool stuff. Uh, and for those of you in Canada, Doom Patrol will begin airing on Space Channel in April. So, there you go. My pick of the week, Doom Patrol TV show. Well, what? Uh... My pick of the week is actually a comic. It is Little Bird by director slash screenwriter Darcy Van Poelgeest. It is super Canadian. Um, Darcy, I believe, lives out in BC. Um, there is a character who looks like a giant Santa on steroids who has a Canada flag plastered across his t-shirt. Um, it's wonderful and dark and bloody and beautiful and it's a must read in my books it's it's gonna be a short like six issue series i think and according to darcy van Poelgeest, it is his magnum opus that is awesome i am pulling up his movies so you aren't just like he says the movie person but what has he done so yeah like i said he's a screenwriter and director 
Um, you know, not a ton. <laughs> Uh, he's won a lot of awards, but he's very much a Canadian. Uh, so Corvus screened at the festivals worldwide, including Toronto After Dark, Vancouver International Film Festival, and Sci-Fi London. Uh, was nominated for three Golden Chiefs, nine American Maverick Movie Awards, seven Leo Awards, and was the number one best-selling short film in Canada on iTunes. Um, he then had The Orchard in 2015, received a Bravo Fact Award, screened at the Atlantic Film Festival, multiple film festivals, won five awards at the LA Shorts, including Best Film, Best Screenplay, and Best Director, and then recently was nominated for five Leos. So, like, he's got some chops. He's not, he ain't a big fish yet. Mm-hmm. His first movie ever was 2019, but yeah. Very cool, very cool. All right, so those are our picks of the week, um, and you know if you have any other, uh... yeah, those are our picks of the week. I'm gonna have to edit that out just because I completely got lost. <laughs> nope, leave it in. It all stays in. Nope, no. Nope. Well, this episode probably. All right, so at this point we're gonna be talking about all things streaming, and like I mentioned earlier, let's start with Netflix. Really, you know, the the grandfather of streaming. Um... They've, they might, you know, they've been by far the most successful, uh, and they for sure disrupted the whole video rental market, um, and they've always been a disruptor. Uh, you know, for those of you who aren't aware, they actually started off as a, you know, as a online over the mail uh, DVD rental play um, company. Uh, they started off back in 1997 um, you know they had about under 100 under 100 employees uh, they had 30 employees 925 titles uh, which they literally just mailed out to you uh, mm-hmm. got it in the mail you watched it and then you sent it back um, it's it's yeah like it's it's funny because I heard of this company Netflix and I heard of what they did. Uh, we didn't have this service here in Canada, uh, but yeah, it, it just it just blew up. Um, and they they you know, them and 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 Blockbuster were going back and forth. Uh, there was a real battle, um, you know. And then. Uh, when was it? In 2000, uh, Netflix had about 300,000 subscribers, uh, and you know they, they they were starting to hurt when it comes to profits. Um, and Blockbuster put in a bid for 50 million dollars. Uh, essentially, Blockbuster. One of the terms was that Blockbuster proposed that Netflix would have to be renamed Blockbuster.com. Um, and they would handle the entire online, um, you know, subscriptions. Um, and Blockbuster would take care of physical DVDs in stores. Um, and essentially, you know, they wanted to also move away from the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, but that offer was declined. So there you go. Look at, look at how things end up happening, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, in February 2007, the company delivered its billionth DVD, uh, and that's really when they started moving away from their original core business model of DVDs uh, and and postal 
uh, rentals and they introduced a video on demand service via the internet uh, so essentially back in 2007 is when they really put in a massive investment uh, and began having their movie catalog over the internet for usage um, their expansion really began uh, around 2010 that's when Netflix uh, was introduced here in Canada and it's always an interesting uh, discussion because you know here in Canada we have the CRTC which essentially you know and you can correct me if I'm wrong Tyler but they are essentially the czar of all things media they don't they have very limited oversight on the internet well that's uh, okay yes outside of the internet I should say but they still have a lot of say as it pertains to um, the rights to what is allowed here in Canada. If you're the rights holder, you want to get as much money selling it to different locations. And Netflix, selling to Canada, is not the same as selling to the States. No, exactly. No, so what I was going to say was that it's the series to see essentially what they have. They have a lot of the Canadian content rules that Netflix still has to follow, um, which adds to the whole, you know, the catalog having to be different from the get-go. But then the companies themselves, they obviously, you know, within every country slash zone, they want to obviously maximize rights. So something that is sold to the U.S. might not necessarily be sold to Canada. Um, and now we're actually seeing this expand to the point where a show that is on Netflix in the USA, you know, there are bidding wars here in Canada between the various streaming services that we have, such as Crave, um, Netflix, and those are the major two players. Uh, we don't have Hulu here in Canada. Uh, we will not be getting DC uh, streaming services. We will not be getting the Disney Plus service later this year. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's basically Crave and Netflix. Uh, there used to be Show Me, uh, which was owned by Rogers. That kind of went uh, belly up uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and all of their catalog actually ended up going to Netflix and Crave um, and some of them just, just, you know, kind of disappeared. So I'm pretty sure Rogers still holds the streaming rights to um, to some shows. Yeah, probably. Who knows who holds rights for half this stuff. And Exactly, and that's why the catalogs are just so, um, you know, varied. We don't, like, yeah, these companies essentially, uh, as you mentioned, try to get the best trying to get the best bids so it's you have bidding wars everywhere oh, yeah. all, all around the world um you know and in the states is a little more clear-cut because you know in the states what we are seeing a lot of is uh you know tv stations launching their own streaming services so for example cbs has their cbs uh streaming services uh streaming service uh I guess it's called the all-access service, um, where they have their exclusive rights. And obviously, they're going to be having anything owned by CBS or USA Network or anything like that on that streaming service. Uh, and then, you know, from there, they'll be selling those to Canada. 
A uh, perfect example of that would be Star Trek Discovery, uh, which is a CBS exclusive, uh, but then here in Canada, it is on Crave TV or Space Channel. So it's just money being literally thrown all around the world uh, for rights of different TV shows. Um, so going back to you know the way that it is in the states, so you know you have CBS All Access. Uh, you're now seeing, especially in sports, you're seeing ESPN Plus. Uh, uh, you're seeing the Zone, which is making massive, massive strides, uh, both in U.S. and Canada, buying exclusive rights to sports leagues, um, and that you know. When it comes to cutting the cord, I think that's where a lot of people have kind of been weary on fully cutting the cord. Uh, and and I know as a fact that you know I you know my circle of friends and family, you know, they're wary of cutting the cord fully because they want to be able to watch the latest uh, sports game live. So you know that the, the most convenient way of doing that is still watching it on TV. Um, but with you know MLB TV, you know they they that might be an option. But the main issue is is that because everyone under the sun is having their own streaming services, it's becoming more expensive now to cut the cord than to just have your TV, you know, in the old school way of that you've consumed it your entire life up until the past ten years or so. Yeah. Um, and I, and that's sort of, you know, the, one of the, the largest issues is, you know, for a basic package of television, uh, I'm going to be basing this a lot on Canadian dollars. Uh, you know, you can pay anywhere from, you know, 60 to $100 Canadian for a basic package of television. Oh, jeez. Yeah, if you're lucky. Yeah, I'm talking basic, like, you know, 30 channels max. Um, you know, the, the I guess the more popular choices uh, would be, you know, when you have your your super channels and your sports channels, you're looking at probably 120 to $150 at that point. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I would say that that's what people normally get if they're going to get a TV package uh, here in Canada. You're looking at about $150, but then, you know, when you're looking at the streaming side of things, you know, Crave TV, um, Crave TV essentially has the rights to all of HBO, Stars, uh, Showtime, and all of those shows, so you're paying $10 a month for, you know, their movie library, and then you're paying ten, an extra $10 a month for... Their extended library, which in, does include, you know, essentially what would be known as your um, HBO Go, uh, but it also includes everything that Showtime is releasing, everything that Stars is releasing, that comes out to twenty dollars. So between Crave and Netflix, you know, you're looking anywhere from twenty to twenty, sorry, twenty-eight dollars to thirty-five dollars, increasing to. $38. So right there, let's just say, you know, 40 bucks between two services right there. Once you start adding sports, you know, if you're a baseball fan uh, and a hockey fan, chances are you'll be able to survive with the Sportsnet package, which gives you everything that you kind of want uh, there. That's, uh, you know, $20 a month. 
But then if you want to watch soccer, you're going to need the zone because that gives you uh, your English premiership, your Italian league, your Spanish league. That's another $20 a month. So, you know, I guess short story long, you know, all of these, you know, 10 bucks here, 20 bucks there, you know, they add up and it just becomes a bit of a headache for you to manage. And because of restrictions when it comes to number of screens and, and account sharing and, you know, the amount of technology around AIs that they're creating around ensuring that people aren't sharing their accounts. Um, you know, it just doesn't, for some folks, it just at this point does not make sense for them to, you know, cut the cord and rely on streaming services. I agree. Like, it's, it's, it's bizarre. Like, it's such a bizarro world. This is like a air quote problem we have. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's funny because like even two years ago, you know, this was going to be the future. This was going to be the future. Uh, but now I'm seeing more, you know, the more streaming services that are that are coming on board, the less people are going to want to and are, are actually investing in streaming services. So there was an article that I was reading in, in research for this episode, and it was a very interesting article because as of a few years ago, um, you know, uh, uh, people were investing a lot in their streaming services, but over the past couple years, you know, the overall dollars within streaming services has increased because there's obviously more, but they've seen an exponential growth in piracy. Um, and essentially what this article was saying was, you know, not fully putting it blaming the number of streaming services but they were saying that it's becoming so complicated to for you to watch the shows that you want over one streaming service that people are resorting back to piracy um well yeah i mean if you look back to the origin of like the origin of piracy on the internet and it was about music because that was what you could download right exactly the era when videos were ha ha yeah you let it download all day. Maybe, maybe you get your twenty minutes of Dragon Ball. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But you could get music because it was short enough and the files were small enough. And it's what it is. But as soon as iTunes made it easier, at a price, excuse me, at a price that people thought was reasonable, they just went to iTunes. That's how you win. Yep. Yep. And, and it's kind of funny because like. Apple has done the smart thing where they are, you know, having the rights to rent or, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, land out for a price, uh, you know, seasons of TV shows or episodes of TV shows. Uh, but it's kind of, you know, in your mind, it's your one-stop shop of actually doing this legally as opposed to, you know, going and getting a torrent or whatever. Uh, so... Yeah. You know, that, that's one way that Apple has been very smart about this in the long run. Having said that, there's so many rumors out there that Apple will be launching a streaming service soon. Um, so who knows where all this is going um, in regards to just the, just the sheer volume. And um, it'll be interesting to sort of see if they do continue their model of renting out and, and, and you know, loaning out you know, their, their content for you for a set amount of time. Yeah, it's, it's such a thing. Like, right? Like, it's such a... 
it's 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 a classic it's a classic um tragedy of the commons right yeah or a classic prisoner's dilemma if not all of you do this like some of you are better off if you all do this you're all gonna lose yeah like the um like it's one of those unfortunate situations of like you and i can sit here and we understand the logic of why you would want um why you would want exclusivity it makes sense the problem is as soon as you have too much as soon as everyone wants exclusivity i can't get my shows no more and if I have to pay what I had to pay for cable, much less the fact that you're looking at, like, YouTube streaming and you're getting ads. Yeah. And, like, yeah, you didn't know people were going to start putting ads in this shit. Oh, 100%. 100%. The price is going to go up and we're going to get ads. <laughs> and it's going to end up being what we see as TV, just condensed. Uh, I remember... A couple of months ago, reading an article saying that uh, Netflix has been testing out, you know, ads before and after shows. Um, yeah, their own I stuff. hate them. Yeah, I luckily haven't seen any of those yet on, you know, on whatever server I connect to. But uh, I know f- people uh, that have seen them. And it's just like, you know, isn't that the whole point of us going in this direction? Um, you know, that... We're just looking right now at from a purely content point of view. Um, you know, there's still the whole creator um, and properly being compensated. You know, if you're a producer for a TV show um, and you go to a network, you know what you're worth. You know, at the end of the day, your ratings are going to tell you what you're worth. I know that it's very different now, but at its most basic. The ratings tell you what you're worth. If you have high ratings, then more people are watching you. Then hey, you can, you know, get more money at the end of the day via advertisers, via network, via whatever, what have you. Now with streaming services, for the most part, it's such a black box. Um, you know, we don't know what, you know, how many people actually watched a, a episode of, you know, Daredevil versus Fuller House, versus what have you. Um, so these companies are, you know, in, in essence, they're getting away with quite a bit because, you know, as a producer or creator, you're kind of just relying on on, on uh, your streaming company, you know, your content provider, your whatever, your partner, to kind of just properly compensate you. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's always... Like, that's regularly a problem in any artistic field, right? Is the back and forth of who has more power. Yep. And, yeah, I mean, I think that... I think on one side, there's always been a little bit of a black box, right? Of, like, those numbers we get for average viewership are so soft. Especially the ancient Nielsen ratings are bonkers. Like, it's just... It's not... It's not good data. No. But it's the data that that advertisers and producers and and you know the, the the people who bring in the money for TV shows that's what they relied on is yeah they was, all agree they all agree it counts so, yeah sure exactly um, you know it's interesting now because back in 2017 
Nielsen actually started tracking streaming services. Uh, they created a algorithm that would actually listen to what you're watching and then track that back to their database of a streaming service TV show. Uh, so that's how we know that, for example, uh, you know, only 4 million people watched the first episode of Fuller House versus 6 million people watching the first episode of Daredevil. You know, so, um, and I, I bring those examples up because that's, you know, I, I was reading this when I was doing research for this for this episode, and, and those numbers, you know, suggest that this is, Neil, the Nielsen company was able to get these via their algorithm of listening to what people are watching, yeah, which is scary but... as shit in its own sense. Um, but that's how they're now somewhat being able to sell. And here's, here's where the Nielsen company is brilliant. You know, they were actually selling this information only to producers for the longest time. Now they're selling it to advertisers and other people. But, you know, again, going back to the original idea that you presented, you know, how trustworthy are these numbers? You know, what do these numbers actually mean? Just because it's on doesn't mean I'm actually watching it. Uh, going back to the way the Nielsen numbers worked initially, one TV doesn't mean one person is watching. It just means that there's a, how you know, one one household, I guess, would be watching it. We don't know the actual number of people watching it. Uh, you know, we've never known the number of people that have recorded things, or uh, now PVR, and, you know, the whole streaming thing is there. And, you know, we don't accurately have metrics for Oh, right, it's always been soft. Though. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, so, so from, you know, from a... I guess what, where, where I'm getting at is, you know, the classic debate of creator, you know, in this new age, you know, do you, I don't feel that they're, you know, they're, they're, they don't have much of a ground to really stand on when they say, hey, you know, I want more money or even an actor in one of these TV shows uh, that, you know, is probably being streamed by millions and millions and millions. Um, you know, it, it's giving less power to those involved in the process um, and, you know, more power to those in the in the ivory towers, I guess. I mean, I, I, think, that's the, I think that's the perception. I think that when you account for other factors, that might not necessarily be the case. I mean, you look at stuff of like, like let's look at how the ease of with of which someone can move around nowadays. Like, let's look at Hassan Minaj as a great example of like he was on the Daily Show and was making, like, like we don't know the exact figures, but we can deduce he's making decent money, and he 100% had to step up when he went to Netflix. But if Netflix gives him a raw deal. I can almost guarantee he could turn around and sell the functionally the exact same show that we have changed just enough to have it done somewhere else and be just successful. Mm -hmm. Right. The exact same thing happened when Cracked imploded, and a bunch of people from Cracked are basically doing the exact same shows they used to do. Yes. yes. They're just different enough. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how long that, you know, these creators will be able to get away with that and and the power to them you know the 100 percent the power to them but you know that there's people doing a lot of research right now in law libraries as we speak um you know figuring out a way that these creators uh, won't be able to just change it enough the definition of enough is going to have to expand 
I don't think it will because as soon as they try to do that, no, because as soon as they try to do that, Stephen Colbert gets involved Mm -hmm. as an intervener, and then there's money on both sides. And when there's money on both sides, you know, we can kind of get a better idea of how this is going to end up. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, yeah, but we'll see. We'll see where where all this goes. It's it's interesting, like just seeing, um, you know, the, from a from a creator standpoint, you know, it, it would be interesting to sort of talk to uh, some more creators and sort of see what they what how they feel about all of this. Um, you know, actors and in, in these TV shows that are that are on these streaming services. Um, you know, and I wonder, as you know, a good example of this would be a show like a, um, a Riverdale, where, you know, they are aired as traditional TV in the United States, but they are streaming service exclusives, you know, all around the world. Yeah, it's hard to say, right? Like, I mean, like how much do, how much do the creators even know? Like, if I'm a writer. Well, yeah. If I'm a writer, which I am, but if I had an agent. Regularly, you have a secondary agent for international markets, which in North America, usually Canada and the United States are actually considered kind of one market for whatever reason. Right. And you just have another one. And it's just, it's, it's, you, the, the secondary markets are always treated as gravy. And I think it's because of the, the internal logic of like, you're not expecting that money. Mm-hmm. It's the same way that when you look at box office numbers, we only really care about domestic, which is the United States. Even yeah. if international's higher, like we've seen movies that had great international openings be called failures because the domestic wasn't good enough. Exactly. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. That that you bring up an interesting interesting point there. Um, but you know, I'm. But if I was a creator, I would take everything into consideration. And hey, if you want me to keep uh, working for you, then um, you know, then pay up. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like, who even has like, who's even in charge of those rights? Like, it's probably someone in the production company, and their job is, I'm gonna go, and my job's to get you as much money as I can. Mm-hmm. Which you know, they're probably not doing. No, probably. But not. just because it's just because statistics and like they have to handle everyone but i mean honestly like if you're a creator i think you got bigger problems than to worry about one or two points more in canada Mm -hmm. i don't know no that's right i'm sure that creators have sort of their their domestic goals that they obviously care about and i'm sure that there's you know they have goals internationally but you know it's it's kind of kind of set as is um lower but you know, still manageable, and then everything else, as like you said, is just groovy. Um, you know, I know that some American sports, you know, that's sort of the way that they see Canada. It's you know, they look at the power of the domestic. So the, in the way that the NFL works, especially with TV rights, is they care about the domestic numbers. You know, and anything that Canada gives them is just good enough. Like it's just you know, it's extra yeah. exposure. They're getting money, but it's like it's not their, you know, it's not their bread and butter. It will never be their bread and butter. Uh, and for lack, you know, who knows if they actually care too much. So I'm sure creators are like that to a certain extent, but, you know, yeah. it just, it's, 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 you know, it's, if, if, you, if you're penny pinching um, and, 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 you know, if, if you're a creator that uh, wants to ensure that they're getting paid and, and being, 
recognized for for their work. I'm sure that you know they'd like to know the exact numbers somehow. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that you know that they also like to have a job, so you know they they can only demand so much. So yeah. So that's like yeah from a from a creative point of view. Um, in terms of you know where all of this is going, you know it's obviously booming. Uh, as we mentioned before, you know Disney is coming out with their own streaming service now that they've acquired Fox. Who knows what Disney Plus and Hulu have in store uh, with li- with all of the Netflix cancellations? Um, you know who knows where the rights lay right now, and who knows where the rights are going to be going. Um, so you know. Where do you see all of this going down the road? Like, it's now knowing, like, that exclusivity and rights is king, you know, where do you see this whole streaming world going? You... Well, I think that it... Like, we're talking about most likely, because it's still entirely possible that people will be clever, and, you know, Disney and... Disney Disney and Netflix will get their shit together and realize that, shit, we can make a lot more money working together instead of this bullshit we're doing. Yep. Like, fucking... It it, it just moves all of them, but I think that sometimes control and power are more important than money and creative expression. Um... I mean, I think that likely we've, we've we've kind of already touched on it that it's going to be increasingly balkanized. That you're going to end up with all these different subservices, um, and they're all going to lose out, right? Because I'm going to choose which ones I can slash will access. I think it's already becoming a problem in the states. Yeah. Using in Canada, we really have two options. Yep. And it's not that bad to get both. No, and it's funny because that's sort of where I was going with all of this. That this is sort of going to be my. My ultimate, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term, my thesis in, the, in all of this is that I think that in the States, they're kind of uh, shit out of luck, for lack of a better term. Um, they're going to have to live with, you know, a thousand and one streaming services, uh, but just the way that rights and exclusivity works here in Canada, you know, we kind of luck out because you do have a choice between either Netflix or Crave, and managing the subscription for both of them isn't too bad. And if taking a look at, you know, because, you know, ESPN has their own streaming service and, uh, you know, the every sports league in the States is having their own streaming service. Uh, you know, what they're actually doing is that they're selling the rights to bulk sports to, you know, for example, the zone. So the zone here in Canada has the rights to a lot more than they do in the States. Uh, you know, you, they have not only the NFL, but next year they're going to have the English Premier League. Uh, they're going yeah. to be showing a bunch of various sports, and uh, including MLS. You know, MLS right now you can only watch on ESPN, but here in Canada you'll be able to watch it among your DAZN, um subscription. So again, we've locked out in that sense. And I can see us continue to lock out. Um because, you know, there's anything that TSN, uh, which is owned by uh, Bell Media and uh, Sportsnet, which is owned by Rogers, that they don't have, I can see going to the zone. So really, you know, from a sports perspective, you're, you have, you know, three obvious choices in front of you from a TV movie 
point of view, you really have two choices in front of you. So, you know, while it does add up and you're penny, you know, if you're not penny pinching, then, you know, you can technically get all of them. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to choose the ones that you like the most. And it's a lot more manageable here in Canada. So I think that if you're outside of the U.S., you're going to be winning. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think it's just one of those. Well, not necessarily. Right. Because Britain's also getting brutal. Yes. Um, I think that specifically Canada just continues to exist as the fact of, like, there being 30 million of us, there being fewer of us than there are Californians. Yes. Again, works to our advantage. And it doesn't always. Like, we get really hosed sometimes, but everyone's also like, this happens where just no one cares about the rights that much because there's money, but there's not as much, right? Like, it's... It's more worthwhile for them to fight for the West Coast, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Now, do you see, because of the sheer number of streaming services that could exist, do you think this trend of, uh, of uh, cable cutting, cord cutting will continue? Uh, in general, yeah. I, I think it's gonna it's solely because, like, I don't think like TV's still not offering me anything better. I watched TV not that long ago, and like the ads are getting worse. <laughs> yeah. Right, and like, it's just not good. So you think it, 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 you so you think that the cord cutting will continue despite just the sh- you know streaming and as overall yeah <laughs> to their own detriment TV somehow has managed to completely um, you know screw up yeah I can see yeah. that I can totally see that I can totally see that and you know again you know not keep on bringing this up but it will be sort of interesting to sort of see you know with more media giants eating up rights and buying exclusive contracts to companies and streaming rights and this and that um you know it will be interesting to sort of see where we end up in the future um but like what i can actually see happening down the road is is you know a lot of these smaller streaming services you know, for lack of a better term, smaller, sort of like a CBS All Access or an ESPN Plus or what have yep. you, they'll eventually, you know, might notice, hey, we can't continue our own streaming service, so they'll sell the rights to someone and, you know, we'll, well see. Or it'll, be, or it'll be weirder, right? Like, it'll be CBS still exists, but if you get Netflix, you know, you'll also get CBS and just all of our stuff is on their thing. Yeah. And just we get the metrics that Netflix does? Question mark. I don't know. Now, do you think that TV companies would ever heavily invest in a type of service where everything is over the air? Are you asking if they would reinvent television? Well, you know how these companies are are so hell bent on doing so. But, you know, if I had the choice, and I know that 
you kind of partially do to a certain extent. There are services that offer this, you know, where you can get your TV completely over the net. Sure. But do you see that as a option moving down, moving forward? I don't even know. <laughs> see, the issue going back, you know, to what we had talked about, about an hour ago, uh, when we were talking about the gaming um, conundrum, was the whole internet and the way that people are charged with internet. Because realistically, you know, if you are streaming a lot, you're probably going to eat up a lot of your internet. So if unless you have unlimited, you're you know you're kind of pooched to a certain extent. Um, especially if you have more than one person constantly streaming. Um, you know, at my parents' place, when when I go over, up to three, four people could be streaming at a time. So. Yeah, I uh, I just think that the problem with over the air is that it's right. Like the for some reason, the government decided not to really regulate the internet. Like it just hasn't. Versus, like they own the airwaves still. So, if you go on the air, like, you've used the airwaves, you have to meet a bunch of really weird, wonky rules. Yep. So, like, in, in Canada, this as soon as you go over the air, the CRTC has so much more power over you. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the States, it's the same thing. Like, part of the deal in the United States of having these different frequencies over the airwaves is that you have to do a certain amount of news coverage. That's why Fox has news coverage. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yep. So there you go. Streaming services. It's a hell of a thing. Convenient. We don't know yet. It's. I, I think I think the, the jury's still out there to say if it's more convenient and to sort of see how much, uh, you know, clearly the way that we consume content is changing, but it'll be interesting to see where this takes us right now. I just feel like right now we're kind of in the Wild West. Um, where everyone is trying everything and so many options and really it'll be interesting to see where all of this goes you know if if five years down the line it'll be very cool to have sort of listen to this episode um and and sort of see you know how far off we were with 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 our with our thoughts yeah we'll see but yeah that that's where we're at so that's streaming services in a nutshell have anything else to uh, to chat about? I don't think so. I think that honestly, like this is just it is what it is, right? It's not great. Yeah. This is where we are. Exactly. It's like I said, it's the Wild West right now. We are in a revolution, the Wild West. You know, everyone's everything's up for grabs, and we'll see where where this takes us. Um, and yeah, you know, without repeating myself like a twentieth time, I think that that is a perfect place to sort of leave things uh so before we you know end the end the episode uh you know please visit our website at www.itscanonpodcast.com you can find all of the social medias uh there you know we have buttons for everything uh, you know rss feed you can sign up on your favorite podcast app whether it be itunes spotify third party app whatever you use you can sign up and you can follow us and subscribe uh, we do have a patreon 
check our Patreon. Uh, and again, send us feedback on what you think, what you want, where you want us to go with the Patreon. Because as I mentioned last week, this show is for you. Um, if you have suggestions on what we should talk about, let us know so that you know we can talk about that. Uh, or else you're going to keep listening to us talk about things that interest us and might not interest anyone else. And that would be a very, very bad thing. Um, you can obviously find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at It's Canon Podcast on all three platforms. Uh, and then you can find both Tyler and I on our personal accounts. Uh, you can find Tyler at Tyler underscore ROI, T Y L E R underscore ROI. And you can find me at B R underscore A G U I L A R. Uh, so there we go. And, um, we, you know, we'll be back with a new episode in the next few days. And, uh, you know, take care. Thanks for listening. Subscribe. And uh, send us feedback. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>